I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. I love my superstitious games Running circles in my brain When I'm left smiling wheel as covered by my guest today on the program, Greg Laswell. Let me tell you a little bit about Greg Laswell. Fortunately, art is a community effort, Allen Ginsberg once wrote, a small but select community living in a spiritualized world endeavoring to interpret the wars and the solitudes of the flesh. Well, for my money, there is no greater interpreter of the wars and solitudes of the flesh than Greg Laswell. In fact, the first song I ever heard by the Long Beach-born singer-songwriter was a doleful and unexpectedly stirring take on Girls Just Wanna Have Fun, a song made popular by Cyndi Lauper but written by Robert Hazard. Now, if you thought the Hazard version was different than the Lauper version, try the Laswell version. Girls Just Wanna Have Fun? Sure, but in Laswell's piano-based reading of the song, the fun is clearly being had without the singer. He seems to be suggesting it's their thing, and he's not invited. Ever. This cover version was no one-off. Over the course of his career, Greg Laswell has taken on a vast range of numbers from the modern songbook by artists as diverse as Kate Bush, Kristen Hirsch, Echo and the Bunnymen, and Mazzy Starr. Along with Evan Dando, Greg Laswell may be one of the greatest interpreters of modern music, but... Let's not forget he has a rather expansive songbook of his own. Since he split with his San Diego outfit Shilglen in 2001, Laswell has put out eight marvelous albums of original material, including personal favorites of mine like I Was Going to Be an Astronaut and Everyone Thinks I Dodged a Bullet. Now, if you're a fan of Laswell's work, then you know how powerful this guy's songs are. However, if you don't know Laswell's work, but you've watched television in the last decade, believe me, you know it. His songs have been in everything from The Blacklist to Grey's Anatomy to The Vampire Diaries. He has so many film and TV credits, to list them all would be its own separate podcast. But how many, you're probably wondering, how many shows have his songs been in? Well, let's just go with the round number of... a lot. An affecting songwriter imbued with an emotive delivery that's poetic, muscular, and elegant, Laswell is one of the very best out there. His new project is Covers 2, a second installment of cover songs, including numbers by Depeche Mode, Placebo, and The Psychedelic Furs. And he's here to talk about that and, well, a lot of other stuff. So, let's see what we can get out of Greg Laswell, shall we? Enjoy this chat right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. I mean, Peter Gabriel has always been one of my favorites. Um, Depeche Mode also. Um, and, you know, like during the 80s, especially, there was, there was like that definite um, mystery behind, you know, British uh, artists that, that I definitely went in for. So I was just recently reading, uh, rereading The Catcher in the Rye for like the 400th time. And I find that as I've gotten older, it, you know, the words are the same, but the meaning is different. And I'm wondering for you with a lot of these songs, has as you've gotten older, and some of the songs aren't that old, but have you have you noticed a change in the way you interpret the songs? Absolutely, man. Um, I mean, it happens with my own music as well. I mean, even the songs that I've written, but like the original ones um, over the years, they've changed meaning. And then especially with this one, um, 
to come back to the Depeche Mode song again, um, like the the meaning from when I back when I was listening to it um, when I was younger is definitely I, I'm not even really sure that I I fully grasped the um, what I think the meaning is now. Um, so yeah, I, I a lot of these songs, especially the, some of the older ones, uh, have definitely taken on a on a different skin now that I'm a bit older and and I I kind of you know hear things uh, quite differently. I, it's interesting to hear you say that about your own work. Um, so if you go back and revisit, you know, songs from five, ten, uh, fifteen years ago, or even from a year ago, do you find layers that that you know were sort of unexpected to you? Yeah, um, it's it's been one of the byproducts of writing music all these years that I that I didn't plan on necessarily. Um, there's one song in particular called "What a Day," and man, that song must have changed at this point, um, like four different times, you know, it's, it's, uh, and when I perform it now, it, it's, it's a completely different song than when I first wrote it. And that's, that's one of my older ones. It might be, oh gosh, I don't know, 13 years ago now, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's very, uh, and I, I, the way I approach music, um, is once it's, it's done, once it's finished then it kind of, it's kind of its own thing. Um, I don't really take much ownership over it after it's it's done. It just kind of belongs to the um, people who listen to it, and then um, me included. Like I, I kind of allow myself to visit songs that are older and, and allow them to grow alongside me. Yeah, it's also interesting to hear how people interpret your own work. And maybe maybe five years ago you wouldn't have agreed with that interpretation, but maybe five years later you might. Absolutely, I love hearing um, interpretations of people. Um, and especially when they don't line up with, you know, anything that I originally wrote it about. Um, that's kind of the cool parts about this. I did a, a reading a couple of years ago when my first book of poems came out and this guy came up to me afterwards and he was like, oh, that one poem. And he gave this you know, this sort of advanced metaphysical explanation about what it was about. And I was like, totally, dude. But I was lying. It wasn't about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. I've done that so many times. Uh, dude. Yeah, I was like, oh, you're on to me. I'm really smart. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, how are you with your own work right now? Do you feel particularly prolific? Like, what's your, what is your approach now to your own work? Um, let's see. You know, I, um, I've been, I've gone through, I lost my father um, a year ago. And so it's been, you know, the most life-changing um, event that I've been through yet. Um, and so I, feel like I'm more these days I'm more of a passenger um when I approach my my own music than I ever have been before like I don't feel um as in control of it I just feel like it's it's uh like a song starts and I'm just kind of there filling in the blanks um but I don't really feel it's very bizarre um I don't feel like I have a whole lot of like I don't feel like I can take a whole lot of credit if that makes any sense it's just yeah um I'm just kind of in the room when it's happening. I know that sounds so stupid, but um, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know of any other way to um, describe it. Whereas before, when I was younger in my, in writing, I, you know, I, I and, and you'll, you'll maybe um, be able to relate to this as well, but, you know, I wanted to, I was like in it and I was like trying to sound a certain way. And I want, you know, I wanted people's um, respect about what I wrote. And it was like this constant, like, um, it was it was it was more work, um, and now it's more of just a like a reaction, and it just comes out. And what's your own emotional reaction to that process? D does it feel like your hands are not on the handlebars, and and something else is kind of steering it? And and is that is there something kind of um, cathartic about that? Um, absolutely, um, very cathartic. I um, I feel like I'm on the handlebars up into the point where I get a melody, and then after that, I'm just kind of um just kind of talking in, into these songs and it's, it's my voice, but it's not, um, it's not like a, like very ornamental these days. It's, it's a lot more straightforward. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's been very healing. I'm not sure, you know, um, it's been a very difficult year. It's been a very difficult several years. Um, but, uh, I feel like being able to fix, like like explore what I'm going through and what I'm feeling through these songs um, 
has been a huge help. I, I went to a counselor and, and, and she mentioned that she's like, man, I wish so, like a lot of my um, clients <laughs> wrote like this because you're, you know, you're actually kind of doing a lot of the work on your own. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very cathartic for sure. I went through a period where I, my sister died and my, and my marriage uh, ended within six weeks of each other years ago. Um, maybe five or six years ago. And, you know, and I'm a writer just like you. Um, and I was thinking to myself two things. I thought one, if I wasn't a writer, my God, I'd be lost. I, I was so, yeah. you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, that's funny. I, I, yeah, I lost my marriage and got, uh, my dad got diagnosed within, gosh, that was like three months of each other. <laughs> yeah. Like a one, like a one, two punch, man. Yeah, it's it's a I've uh, I've been hit by that combo. Yeah, it's not a fun one. It's not a, it's not a good club to be part of. <laughs> no, no, it fucking sucks, man. <laughs> it, oh, it does, but I mean, like I I mean I imagine like you know you know being in pain and being and having art to sort of translate that pain is just I was so grateful, even though it was not fun. I was so grateful to have that tool. Yeah, right. Well, and this this last year, um, I've done I I haven't done this much work. Uh, oh gosh, man, I may, maybe within the last seven years. Um, since January, I've I've done I've, I'm I'm about to finish three projects. So it's just been like, because um, I wasn't quite free to do it um, before my dad had passed, because he had Alzheimer's, and it took up a lot of my energy and a lot of my um, time. Um, and, uh, and then once he did pass, I, I, I just like every day, like just working, like, like when I first started working back when I first started out and it was, you know, I was really going for it and I, I, I starved for it and I were, you know, I would work like 15 hour days and then sleep and I'd wake up and I couldn't wait to get back into the studio again. It was like that sort of hunger that I had back then. And I didn't have, I, I had lost that over the years. Um, and then I feel like it's back again now. I was in a cafe in Berkeley right after all this happened, and I must have looked miserable. And this old guy who was who was a um, he belonged to some Buddhist temple down the street. He was getting a cup of coffee, and we were talking. He just started talking to me. I don't know why. Like I said, I must have looked a mess. And he told me, he said, you know, when when you experience grief, you see the world, uh, you see the truths of the world more so than than if you weren't racked by grief and he said just take a take a longer look because it's a totally different glimpse and i think he was right you know i think that you do see a certain level of truth uh when you're in the throes of grief that you wouldn't normally see you have access hmm. that's really interesting I, I, yeah i think i agree with that i haven't heard it I, yeah i haven't heard it put it that way that's uh makes a lot of sense actually i mean again it's not it's a, like not a fun <laughs> ticket to have but, but no no but it's like getting like a like a, a new filter for your phone. Like it, you can you, you just see things differently. Um, right, exactly. And, and and you could yeah, and you could have uh, yeah, you were just incapable of seeing it that way before. Are you somebody who was concerned that you were like the songs were too personal? Like you were translating stuff that was happening that was so personal and so painful. Um, did you were you sort of shying away from like oh maybe that's i'm sharing too much of people that's too intimate or did you just want to get it all out there you know i do have a a, a self-edit button there's, there's often times where i'll wake up the next you know i'll go to sleep thinking that i wrote the, the best song in the world <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> i get extreme I, i'm i'm capable of getting extremely proud of myself in in moments it's embarrassing and then i'll wake up the next morning and listen back to it and uh, and I call it the morning after test, and it's just like, oh no, no, you're 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 not that good. You're way off. <laughs> um, and and oftentimes the leading cause of that is is that I have overshared, and I've, you know, I because I never really I I want to avoid um, sounding like I'm singing like a melody from my journal. You know what I mean? I, I want right. I do feel like I have a, a responsibility to to frame it in some sort of you know, uh, consumable. Um, and again, I want I want people to be able to listen to these songs and make them their own, and be able to plug them into their own um, situations. As far as like melancholy, like I, 
I, I haven't really shied away from from the really really sad songs. And like some, I I joke with my manager after now and that I feel sorry for my my listeners sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like like if anyone like if anyone tweets, this is like one of my favorite things to say uh, at shows. Like if anyone tweets, I'm having an at Greg Laswell type of day. Like I instantly feel sorry for them. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, I just picture them like in bed you know uh, not like skipping work and eating ice cream and <laughs> oh god <laughs> I, yeah I mean look man you're not Nick Drake uh, but the... <laughs> right 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 <laughs> you're right I mean there there is like a real emotional intimacy to your work and I I but I think that your fans really value that and I think that they really get a, an enormous lift from, you know, I know that it can be dark and, and sad, but they get a real lift from that in the sense that I think they don't feel so alone. No, that's, that's, that's for sure the, the thing. And that, that's the uh, thing with me and some of the artists that I have the same relationship with too. Um, and my writing mentor in college, Dean Nelson, he, he, um, there's like a, uh, I forget exactly how it came out, but there's one of those things that I never forgot. Um, like, as a writer, on some level, the, the implied question is you too. And then if the answer, if you feel like the answer is yes, then you've succeeded. Mm. Um, and so that's how I've approached all my, all my songs is, is uh, like, you know, kind of like looking around the room and then just whispering like, hey, like you too. And then if the answer is yep, then good, you know, then we have something. And I, and I also think, you know, with when it comes to writing and when it comes to editing, it's it's interesting you say, you know, you write it in the night and the morning after test, but there's never a thing where you write in the morning and then the night in the nighttime. You, it's always the opposite. I always found that I write I write the most stuff at night that I think is fantastic. And the yeah, absolutely right. And the cold light of morning is is like where you put the editor's <laughs> right. hat on. Yes. Yeah, and it's brutal, man. Sometimes I'm I I I'm stressed over it before I power up the computer and take a listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And and it, I mean, is there? It's almost like you have to hurt your own feelings. No, you do, and it's 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 a lot easier when you when you work alone like I do to hurt your own feelings. <laughs> and you know, it it allows you to make more or take more risks too because you're not failing in front of you know, a group of people, you're just failing in front of yourself, um, which is easier to swallow, I found. What do you do when you're when you're writing a song and it's one of those nights and you think you're going down the right the right place, but then halfway through you kind of realize uh, I don't think this is really working. Do you do you see it through or do you do you sort of abort the mission? Um that's a good question actually. Sometimes I'll I'll uh I mean I never really jump all the way off. Um until it's just completely sunk, uh, and and I, sometimes I'm like um, I think one of the, the the things that I've gotten better at over the years is knowing when that is. Um, in years past, but you know I'd, I'd spend months on a song and, and it would never go anywhere. And now I just know sooner. Um, but I'll give it a, a few re uh, reworkings. I also, if I'm in the middle of it, I'll usually like mark. There's this app called Marco Polo. It's like a video walkie-talkie sort of thing. And I'll message my Nicole, my manager. I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? And I'll just kind of play it for her over the phone. And, and you know, we've been a, a good team throughout these years. Because um, if she loves something, she, I mean, she's she really loves it. <laughs> and if she doesn't like something, then you know, she'll she'll tell me the truth. So that that's been a also a, a good help for me as well. And it's it's interesting because I rarely show her anything that I don't already love. Um, and so we. Uh, yeah, we have a good thing going on that on that level. Do you have, in terms of the Greg Laswell vault? I mean, you seem like a guy who writes constantly. Do you? You must have a stockpile of material that you that you haven't used. Yeah, I've always kind of, um, I've always gone the way of of just constant writing. I, I like that approach. Um, like my the memos on my phone, um, it's just you know, it's just full. And so when I sit down to write a song, um, I often we'll just go through things that I've already written. So, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll try to write at least, you know, a thought or a sentence um, every day. So then when I sit down to write a song, I'm not sitting down to write a song because that's brutal. I mean, 
it's just it's just too difficult sometimes. Um, it's much easier to shop through things that you that you've already written, and sometimes I'll write a whole lot. Um, and sometimes I'll you know I'll pull up the app, pull up my memos app, and start reading through everything that I wrote, and a lot of it is just bullshit. <laughs> but, right. But every once but every once in a while there's something that's you know pretty you know good in there, so it's it's just a matter of getting it all out. Yeah, I was reading that Bob Schneider, who is a singer-songwriter, I really like, and he was doing this thing where he was saying he was trying to write a song a day or something for a year. Um, and, and I really admire that exercise. I don't think I do very well at writing a poem every day for a year. I think, you know, 363 of them would be terrible. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I don't know that I could do that either. <laughs> <laughs> especially, especially how I go about it. It would be too exhausting. There's an army on the dance floor Fashion with a gun, my love In a room without a door A kiss is not enough in songs that you are covering that they're by artists that i really love too and i 
And I admire the fact that those guys, when they were really young, seemed like they had really gotten the process down, uh, you know, it, it, which is kind of remarkable. Yeah, isn't that weird? I've, I've thought about that too recently. Um, it's so funny to think back, like, like when I was listening to their music, they were, you know, 15 years or 20 years younger than I am now. Right. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's very bizarre. I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't know uh, how that how that is. Also, but they, but they didn't have like social media. They didn't have they didn't have Facebook and and, and Instagram and Twitter and all these things. It's so funny. I, I turned off my. This is kind of depressing. But I turned off my phone. Like completely turned off my phone when I was working on my last record because I couldn't quite get it like into its own rhythm as far as the production of it. Um, and so I turned off my phone. I, I notified the people that would be alarmed if I didn't text them for ten days. <laughs> um and uh and turned off my you know uh email everything just went completely off the grid for 10 days and i got more done in those 10 days than in the previous three months <sighs> yeah i mean it's just i mean it's just brutal you know yeah I, you know i heard dave eggers the, the novelist said the same thing where he was like i just turned literally turned off the internet and was able yeah. to the book and um what what is your big vice is it like what is, is it social media is it just the, what is it well i think it's just the like everything um yeah like if i hit if i hit a wall uh i'll just you know what and, and this is back when my my studio was in my house <clears throat> if i hit a wall i just go over and sit on the couch and start a net you know like a netflix movie and then right two hours ago by and you know but if you take that um if you take like those um, possibilities out of your life, um, including the internet, then, you know, you're left with, um, you know, I mean, you just don't have any choice but to keep working. It's like, uh, I'm a golfer as well. And um, I have a, a bit of a, uh, <laughs> I've, I've thrown a bunch of clubs is what I'm, is what I'm uh, you know, in, into the water. So I, so I only have like four clubs left, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I've gotten really, really, really good with those four clubs. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I've had to, because I've had to learn how to hit my eight iron in so many different ways, and I feel like it's, I feel like it's a, I, I might launch like a some sort of um, like teaching. Because <laughs> I think it's actually a really great idea now that I've done it. <laughs> you're you're a songwriter of tremendous sensitivity. The idea of you throwing a golf club into the water is is so funny. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I know. The first time I first time I golf with my friend Steve back in Arizona, because I'm I am I'm very even keel and and I I'm not you know, but my gosh! And he just kept laughing at me the entire day, um like at me like I wasn't I wasn't laughing. He was just laughing at me because he couldn't believe me like, you know, uh, and it's just about managing expectations. I think I should be a brilliant golfer by now, and I'm not. <laughs> And I just, it's just, it's just one of those things that gets under my skin. It's, I mean, it's so frustrating, but I love it so much because it's such a, it's, it's frustrating, but it's also humbling. And, and, you know, you can, you can have those moments of, uh, of greatness followed by a double bogey. Yeah. You can't get too comfortable yeah. on the golf course. No, you really can't. It keeps you on your toes. That's a good way to, then, you know, it keeps you outside and gets your brain it's, I mean, you you can't really think about anything else when you're doing it. That's why I like it, I think. Um, it's true. I but, like that a genteel game and a pastoral game like golf unleashed this beast of in you. Right. I have gotten better. I have gotten better. I've, I've, I've learned how to control myself a little bit more. The idea of having a studio in your house, was it was it – did you like that or was it hard to sort of say like – this is my home space and my workspace. Is that was that comfortable for you, or you prefer a little more separation? You know, it worked for me for for a while um, because it was it, it enabled me to you know work if I if I got an idea and I couldn't sleep, I'd be able to you know walk down the hall and and work at two in the morning or or um, <clears throat> that sort of thing. And so it, it um, yeah, it worked for a while, and then really like like when my dad started getting ill i was living alone and working alone um and then even after he passed i was just like man i, I don't think this is good for me anymore um and I, I wasn't getting all that much done 
um, it's just a very isolating thing. And I, I, I tend to be, I, I definitely like my alone time, but it was, it was a bit much. So I ended up finding a place, um, and with one of my best buddies in California, I just, you know, I, now I pay rent and I moved the studio into a space and I get up in the morning and I, you know, get ready and I get dressed and I go to, like, I, I mean, I go to work basically. Um, and it's definitely helped, um, my work ethic because, you know, much in the same way, if I hit a wall at my house, I'd just go on the couch for, you know, in a couple hours or whatever. Same thing with going to work. Like if you go to, you know, you've made the effort, you're there. Um, and, uh, and it's just harder for you to kind of get off track once you're at that place. Plus, uh, you know, the, the opposite of it is also true. Like when you leave, you're able to kind of leave it behind. Um, right. Because there's, there's, there's a lot of times where I'd be at home and I'd be like, oh, should I be working right now? Uh, and so, yeah, it kind of takes away all that stuff. So I'm, I'm definitely, I'm not sure I'm going to ever move my studio back into my house. Let's put it that way. No, I get it. And, and, you know, a friend of mine told me, he's a therapist, and he said to me, he said, be careful. He said, you're really good at being alone. And he's right, you know, and being a writer, being a musician like you, that's a solitary um, act. Um, yeah. And, and I, you know, and like you said, you're good at being alone. and I am too. And sometimes you forget that, you know, maybe a couple of days have passed and you could use some human company. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my, my, uh, the guy that, um, that I rent the studio from, you know, he'll, he and I will see each other, you know, like eight times throughout the day for like two or three minutes. Um, and it's it's great <laughs> because it, uh, it you know just just you're not alone and man alive I need to be reminded of uh, hey buddy let's let's get you outside <laughs> <laughs> let's get you outside yeah and then you get out there in the sunlight you squint a little bit yeah <laughs> uh, yeah I mean even going to the grocery store you can you can do that from your bed now right right you don't have to leave the house to be a, a functional no. adult. No, man, you can you can get toilet paper from Amazon. Yeah, exactly. I I heard an interview with Jennifer Jason Lee, and she was saying like, you know, boxes just keep showing up at the door. I don't even remember ordering these things, and they just show up. Oh my gosh, I know. You know, um, and so yeah, so there there is an element. I remember that when I was a, a a younger guy, I thought there was something romantic about being the lone wolf, but the lone wolf technically dies earlier than everybody else. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not the wisest choice. It, people are good. No, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna have to change it pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, you do need to have that isolate. You do need to be isolated, I think, to create, and then you need to sort of just come back from the wilderness. Yeah, you do, and I'm and and tour helps with that a lot. I you know for me anyway, it's like it it it, it both reminds me of why I love doing what I do and then it also reminds me of how much i need just people in general yeah um so yeah when you play and you get off the stage do you have to take a beat just to sort of like you know kind of turn back into your civilian self or i mean does it feel even though it's i mean because it's under your name do you feel that it's sort of there's still a persona that you have to project um how do you differentiate between offstage Greg and onstage Greg? Um, gosh, you know, I, I don't know. I've, I've really gone out of my way um, to keep them the same. Um, and I think more bringing my, just who I really am on the stage versus like the other way around, um, if that makes sense. Like I, I want my friends that, that know me really well to go to one of my shows and be like, oh yeah, that's Greg up there. And, and to be able to recognize me. Um, and I don't take myself all that seriously in between songs. And I'll, you know, I'll joke around with the, with the audience. And, and it's just, a, it's a light. It's a, for the, for the amount of like sad music that comes out, um, it's actually, it actually ends up being kind of a fun night. Um, so yeah, I've always, cause it, it always, it, it, it has always turned me off a little bit when an artist is one way on stage and then they're, I, I feel, uh, I don't know, I, I'm not, I'm not entirely, entirely sure why that's annoyed me in the past, but it has. No, I get it. And I've seen you play a bunch of times. And I, I've always liked the shape of 
of your set, like how I love the sort of, you know, the, the talking between songs and the and the joking around, which is sort of a nice relief in terms of, you know, the material can be so serious. And it's nice to sort of like take a breath for a second. Um, I see, yeah. you know, Peter Himmelman does that a lot. Um, Matt Nathanson does that a lot. And I, and I really like that because I think it sort of it yeah. provides a necessary balance. Absolutely. You know, or then there's there's Evan Dando who literally says nothing. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, which I yeah, I, I guess I get it, but you you, you know, it's nice to feel um, that the experience is one that's has many emotions and not just not just one. Yes, right. You know, um, no, there is a, obviously a performative element to to being on stage. Um, so you you do have to sort of you know, obviously you're an entertainer as well as you know someone who's who's um you know singing songs so there is an entertainment element um but are do you find that you you are quite very much the same off off the stage then yeah i feel like i am i i uh i feel like i'm the same guy in the van or in the bus that i that i was just just an hour earlier it's just a different um you know i, I think it's like a um a different energy but it's it's i i like i said i, I really like try to go out of my way just to to be available up there when I'm up there um, and be, being open um, throughout the entire evening and, and, uh, and not putting on any air. Having, having gone through what you've gone through, has your fan base been a tremendous uh, comfort to you? Because obviously they're aware of what's happened in your life. Yeah. You know, I, they, they have been. I've, I spoke of it on my last tour in January and I just went out completely by myself. And, uh, and I spoke to that, um, during those shows, um, cause I think we have a, a pretty, um, I mean, obviously I can't really speak about other artists and how they feel about their fans, but, um, but I feel like I have a, a very unique relationship with, with mine. Um, and I use that word relationship because, um, we're kind of in this, I feel like we're kind of in this thing together and I, I'll, I'll take a good 10 to 15 minutes after a show and then go out afterwards and, and go to the merch area and take pictures and sign and talk to people. And, and the conversations that I've been able to have with people over these years, um, it just, it just feels like a relationship. Um, and I've been a, like, they've made me a, like important parts of their journey um, and things that they've dealt with in their own lives. And, and I've been in their ear holes and in their, in their cars and and on their jogs with them and um and I there's like this mutual appreciation of each other when I get to um, talk to people after shows especially and then yeah I mean on online and like the comments online uh, through Instagram and Facebook and all that I, I try to read all of them and uh, and everyone has just been so kind and so supportive I remember one in particular but I'll never forget. Um, uh, he said, "You've helped us all these years. Now let us help you." And I was just—I thought that was such a, a sweet, such a sweet and kind thing to to, um, to say. So. Yeah, that's that's really powerful. I mean, and you know, in the old days, yeah. like you take you know, a writer like Charles Dickens, and it's like the relationship that people had with him was when he published. You know, it was like that was that was the relationship. Even I, mean, I don't know why I'm going back to Dickens. I mean, even like Stephen King in the '70s or whoever you want to pick. Um, and yeah, now yeah. there's access, right? There's access to an artist that there wasn't before. And I and I think in many ways, you know, it's not good if you're Rihanna and you find someone in your bed when you come home. But but if you're, you know, if you're finding like people writing you notes and talking to you, and that's a that is a really beautiful relationship. It is, it is, and it's unlike any other. You know, it's very unique. Yeah, I like that. I really like to hear that because it's. I, I think that so much is made of the negativity around. The access. It's nice to hear that there's there's a huge positive element to it. Yeah, I think I think as far as the negativity, the only um, like as a as a fan of music, I like part of me misses the mystery of. Um, sometimes I'll go on on social media of like an artist that I really like, and I'll be like, oh, you're you're that okay? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? There's like. Like when I was growing up with music, you know, you like tear open the liner notes and and try to find out who they were and and where they're coming from, and and now it's just it's too much. But um, 
but yeah, like, like you said, there's there's definitely a benefit to it as well. Um, yeah, and one that I've been able to take advantage of. <clears throat> I get it. I, I I totally agree, and I, and I and I can sort of see both ways. I know Noel Gallagher was saying something like, you know, people don't want to see themselves in in a rock star; they want to see a god. And and I totally understand that, but I also understand that maybe you do want to see yourself up there, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. And I think part of that has to do with the, the genre of music too. Like someone like Robert Plant, I, I don't even think of him as a human being, you know? He <laughs> no, right, right, right. Yeah, he he like he needs to be a, like he needs to stay in rock god land, <laughs> right? Or Mercury, like those are those aren't like those aren't real people. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> but the genre of music you're right i think it does have something to do with that yeah for sure <clears throat> um so what is, so for you what is next the record comes out in september um it's beautifully done uh unsurprisingly it's it's fabulous so what's in terms of the fall what is the what is the shape of the end of 2019 look for you um so we're gonna but it comes out to, uh, September 13th, um, and then we'll tour throughout the beginning of October. Uh, and then I started another side project, which um, I'm not entirely sure about the trajectory of that, but um, there's basically, there's like a few projects that are waiting for me when I get back home that I'm just gonna continue to work on. I accidentally started my next record. <laughs> Uh, a couple a couple weeks ago, which is just absurd because I there's already too much for me to do right you know with, with even with this covers EP, um, but I texted my manager I'm like um I think I started my next record so I, so yeah I'm just gonna continue working um you know I I'm with this new studio space I'm really trying to treat it like an actual you know even if I don't have something to like particular to do um. I, I try to just go in anyway. Um, so that's what I'm going to finish up the, the year doing. Um, and then obviously take a little bit of time off over the, over the holidays. But, um, but yeah, that's the, that's the rest of my year. When you say you accidentally started the record, like was it, the, was it even conscious or did it just sort of start happening? Well, I was just fooling around. I, I, I bought this new um, like bank of sounds, um, like a sample library and, with like strings and, and all that sort of stuff. And I just started fooling around with them, kind of shopping for a sound for another song that I was working on for somebody else. And then I just like, just like a song just popped out. Um, and whenever that happens, I don't get out of the way of it. I could, you know, cause when it does happen, it usually, um, like I feel like some of my best songs are the ones that I've written in no time at all. Um, anyway, I, I ended up finishing this song and it's, it's, uh, it's, huge bombastic um and uh yeah i'm like oh my gosh i think i'm writing a song right now yeah 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 i like hearing that i like the idea that like it sort of just takes hold of you yeah and it often does with you like if you get a new guitar for instance um or if you play a new piano um, obviously, all the notes are still the same, but sometimes just the sound of a, like an upright piano that you haven't played ever will yeah. just kind of like a song will kind of sneak out of it. Yeah, I love that. I um, yeah. I'm also wondering for you, like, do you are you one of those guys that still actively? Because um, I think you and I have very similar record collections uh, from the late '80s, early '90s. Are you one of those people that still actively? F tries to find new bands new are you still as much of a fan as you always were um honestly i'm i'm not i uh i like in, in my like slightly older age <laughs> i um uh i don't i don't find that i i go out looking for new stuff as much as i did um when i was younger but when i was younger that's all i did i mean that's that's all i um concerned myself with was finding new music and finding new bands and, and obsessing over them. Um, and yeah, now when I want to listen to music, I just kind of listen to whatever I already like. Man, I sound like such an old person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and every now and again, you know, something will will get me. But um, but it's not because I've gone out of my way to to hunt for it. If that makes sense. It does. 
when I my freshman year in college, I met this girl and she was really cute and I wanted to impress her. And she said to me, Oh, you know, who are some of your favorite bands? And oh, I gave her I gave her a list. I just kept going. And then she goes, she goes, Okay, I get it. You're cool. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. so brutal. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> I was like, Hoodoo Gurus love tractor. And she's like, Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But now, That's like, if someone says to me, like, <laughs> what are you listening to now? I might say, I might go, I like one or two things. It's all I can really think of. Yeah, right. It's always embarrassing if someone, if I'm doing an interview or like, talking to someone, um, they're like, so who, who, do you, who are you listening to now? I'm always like, shit. <laughs> like, I'm like, um, uh, there's this murder podcast that I really like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm not, I'm like, I'm not the hippest uh, guy when it comes to my my vinyl record collection. And it's always, I always dread that question because it always does come up. Yeah, I know. I know. And I find that I've been using the same three bands for the last six years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I keep, I keep telling people about the vaccines and they've now been around for like 12 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, I, I I can rattle off you know fifteen stand-up comedians um, you know instantly, but if I have to find you a new band, I, um, yeah, I'll do a little homework on that one. I can rattle off fifteen things that Trump has done that that I, that's made me nervous and angry, uh, but yeah. not not bands. I, I no. <laughs> oh man, well. Uh, Greg, I, dude, I appreciate your time. I, I've wanted to chat with you for a while. You've been one of my favorite guys, and I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to uh, to have a conversation. Absolutely, man. Thanks, thanks for uh, thinking of me and, and doing this. I appreciate it. Sweet guy, that Greg Laswell. A sensitive, smart, uh, soft-spoken guy. Just don't get on the golf course with him or uh, golf clubs will be flying at your head. And the experience will be very, very different than uh, seeing one of his live shows. Uh, Great conversation with Greg. Big thanks to him for taking the time. Uh, GregLaswell.com is where you need to go to find out all things that are related to Greg Laswell. And by the way... It's two L's at the end of his name, not one. The one uh, will bring you to a, a realtor somewhere in South Florida. But I don't know. Maybe that's what you're looking for. I have no idea. Just go to Greg Laswell with a double L. Go to his site first. Buy his music. Then buy your uh, your property somewhere in Florida. Sound okay? All right. Uh, go to my website, alexgreenonline.com. Find out what's going on with me. Sometimes there's a lot Sometimes there's very little, and sometimes things just stay the same. I know, I know. It's really edge-of-your-seat kind of stuff. Uh, Go to alexgreenonline.com and find out which of the three it is. Now, I don't know where you get your podcasts, but you must get them somewhere because you're listening to this. So, wherever it is that you get your podcast, keep doing it, but subscribe to Stereo Embers, the podcast, via your favorite platform. Whatever it may be. I don't care. Spotify, Last.fm, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Music, and now uh, iHeartRadio is a place you can find our podcast. So subscribe there if that's where you are the most frequently and uh, leave us a rating, maybe a nice comment or two, and uh, we would appreciate it. Okay? Thank you for that. Now, if you want to follow me on social media, it's so easy. All you have to do is go to Twitter at Ember's Editor or go to Instagram at Embers Podcast, or just email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com, or do all three, and I'll say congratulations for winning the Alex Green Social Media Triple Crown. And of course, congratulations to Greg Laswell for making yet another fabulous album. Covers 2 should be in your collection. Further evidence can be found in his cover of Depeche Mode. So, here you go. Never Let Me Down Again by Greg Laswell. Enjoy it. And I will see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. I'm taking a ride with my best friend. 
taking 